for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Grant Brisby, who covers the San Francisco Giants for The Athletic, about the Giants' top needs once the lockout ends. We can dive into what they plan to do with the designated hitter, whether or not we'll see Elliot Ramos, and whether or not the Giants need to add a frontline starting pitcher to the rotation before opening day. All things we can talk about with Grant Brisby, who joins me next. Today is Monday, February 21st. It's always fun when we can talk Giants baseball and uh, spring training baseball with Grant Brisby, who covers the Giants for The Athletic, except Grant, there is no baseball. Are you having any cognitive dissonance or any uh, any weird feeling in your loins now that we're, we're into the mid-February and nobody's reported, man? I really do treasure my offseason. Uh, you know, after the World Series ends, a lot of people go like, oh, baseball's gone. And I, gosh, for like 10 years, it's been like, thank God, baseball's gone. I love it. I, I love my break. Right about now, like literally like the last two days has been when my brain has snapped. I'm like, okay, that's enough. Okay, let me dust off the potato chip crumbs and see what's going (laughs) on out there. But there's like nothing on the horizon. So it's not even like I feel unsettled. Maybe you can shed some light on this. You've got a few years on me age-wise. You remember the 94 shutdown, and that was a little bit different. That was a strike that went down at the beginning of the season. I don't want to talk tons about the lockout, but as far as the negotiating is going, are things in your mind less tense? Are they as tense? Is it so much different because of the social media era? Where are you on like where you compare and contrast maybe like 81 to, to 94 to where we are now? What I know from 94, I know from history because I was a senior in high school and I was just not interested in in sports at all and baseball at all. Like I found that I rediscovered that like in 95, really, when I went to college. So I can't speak from personal experience. I can say from like a historical, like I've gone back and read what was written back then. And it seems like the social media, all that stuff, the public perception has really gone in favor of the players this time around. Whereas before in 94, you have, what would you get? You know, your USA Today on your hotel doorstep or your your San Francisco Chronicle on, on your porch and you'd open it up and maybe there would be an article in there. Maybe there wouldn't. I mean, how could you follow it that closely? And then you start getting that idea of like, oh, it's, it's gosh, isn't a million dollars enough money, buddy? You know, and like that sort of sticks in your head. It's, it's the easiest, it's the path of least resistance resistance is to get to that point. And it takes a little bit of digging to go, wait a minute, you know, if everyone's divvying up this size pie, why are we complaining about this tiny little sliver over here? You know, who gets the rest of the pie? Maybe they're at fault. And now with social media, it feels like that's the default. Everyone's just like, owners, come on, are you nuts? Like you see the revenue going up, up, up. You see the salaries plateauing. Just like the players aren't asking for that same line graph to go through the sky. They're just kind of wanting the gap to narrow a little bit. And it seems like that that's what people know now. And uh, for the most part, maybe I'm trapped in my own internet bubble, but it seems like it's more pro player these days. I feel the same way about that, that uh, the fans are getting more information about what's coming out. The players can speak directly to the fans on Twitter. And to your point, I think we're finding out more about it. And I think people are kind of fed up with big business. They want to see what's happening to the small guy. They want to see uh, the, the players win something here. And maybe that's a good transition into, uh, how about this? I'm a big denial guy, <laughs> right? Like I, I thought, you know, Kevin Franz and a friend of ours told me a couple of years ago, hey, man, this is going to happen. There will be a stoppage. The players know they got their ass kicked on the last negotiation. They've really got to change this and change the culture for future iterations of baseball or generations of baseball so let's pretend let's let's sit in denial here and pretend this isn't happening when we come (laughs) out of this lockout and whether it's april baseball starts or it's march 31st whatever it is what's the number one thing the giants have to address before they get going into some spring training games or open the season what's your number one shopping list item or or task they've got to complete 
The number one on the shopping list is just a bat, and they can get creative. They have the designated hitter probably to work with. They have an outfielder that they can mix in somewhere that, you know, they have players who can move around for the most part. They have options. It's just getting a bat, maybe two bats. I know they still have an opening in the rotation. They're probably not going to start the season with that opening. But to me, it's just I'm looking at the lineup and all of these guys, you know, I can make arguments why they're in a starting lineup for a team that's hoping to contend. But like, I'm not seeing that, oh my gosh, this is guaranteed to work. And I think one more hitter would go a long way to pacifying me. Maybe two more hitters is what they need. When you say two more hitters, are you looking DH-wise? Are you going right-handed bat? Are you going left-handed bat? I know you had a piece about Kyle Schwarber being a nice fit for the Giants. And last year, I think he was a guy that was floated around as maybe somebody they could add to the lineup as a power hitter. And now we've seen like a full 162 games of Farhan with his mode and Gabe's mode. What, what are you looking for as far as the hitter they could acquire? Yeah, definitely like a right-handed bat and a left-handed bat. That's not set in stone depending on you know how their platoon splits are. But when I look at Evan Longoria and I look at Tommy LaStella, I look at two players who are like, okay, that's a starting third baseman. That's a starting second baseman. They make sense. If you go into the season with them starting, hope for the best, and I think it could work. But if you have an opportunity to get like a Trevor Story, if Trevor Story's willing to play third or second, or if he's willing to play third and second, maybe the outfield, if like, if you, if something falls in your lap, the infield should not be set. And then when you go to the outfield, look, I like Lamont Wade Jr. I like Mike Yastrzemski. I think they're contributors. I think they have a lot to offer. But if you get a left-handed outfielder who can maybe, you know, let those guys float around to center or DH or or whatever, you should explore it. it. You should get, say, a Suzuki. I mean, like, there's all these different permutations they could get. There are so many good players that they have in the lineup, but there are very few, zero, great, you know, hitters. They don't have that, you know, MVP vote getting guy. Like, I guess Crawford did get MVP votes last year and he deserved them. But can you expect that at, you know, 35 years old for him to do the same thing? Probably not. So just deepening that lineup and getting one, two, three guys, wherever you can fit them in, fit them in. You know, being that I'm a denial guy, it's been tough to uh, to swallow the pill. That's a theme of this pod. Adam's in denial. <laughs> um, being, being that I ride that wave, it's been tough to accept the retirement of Buster Posey. And it's something that almost like it happened before the lockout. It happens like before Christmas. I think it happened before the World It happened right after the World Series or before the World Series uh, uh, ended. And so it just seems like it was such a fog. It seems like it'll have been such a long time since he retired when we opened the new season. What's your level of confidence right now? And what are you hearing about Joey Bark? Because you talked to people who cover the minors. I know Kylie McDaniel. Keith Law, we talked to him last week, and he's not super high on Joey Bart, the superstar. What are your thoughts about him heading into what should be his first full year behind the plate? Expectations should definitely be tempered. And I think like what I would look for in a successful Bart season is a defense that is actively helping the team like it's not actively hurting the team it is you know managing a pitching staff he's not going to be Buster Posey defensively like that's just not going to happen right away but just someone who is like a, a strong catcher like almost like a Kirk Casale you know just strong you you really notice him maybe there's some things you would rather he would do better but whatever he's back there he's generally doing good things with the bat look his on-base percentage might not be over 300 at least in his uh, first full season it might be closer to 280 or something can he get power with that? Can he hit for enough average to boost that on-base percentage artificially? I think that's going to be 
basically just ignore his bat and whatever he gives you is like an eighth place hitter that's gravy and you can think about him as a, a number one pick and you can think about him as you know it, it's his time to shine and stuff like that forget it like just hope for like anything at all with the bat and focus more on the defense the pitcher whispering the you know getting him to be 75 percent of the backstop that buster posey was will go a long way to to making the giants contend again we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors what about some some young blood? What about guys like Elliot Ramos? You know, we heard about him a couple of years ago. He hit some big home runs in the extended spring training. We saw him in the Cactus League last year. You anticipate this is finally the year we see him break through and, and get significant playing time? He will break through. I don't know about significant. I think, you know, he's on the 40-man roster. Uh, they had to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. So that was like the final hurdle. That's why you didn't see him last September. I mean, his, his performance didn't necessarily dictate it. But like last September, you didn't see him come up because he wasn't on the 40-man yet. Now he's going to be an option where when someone gets hurt, you might just bring up Elliot Ramos. Like they're not going to play games with a service clock, I don't think. So you'll see him. But for significant time, I'm not so sure because he's still pretty young. Young for his league, every league he plays in, even when he was in double A last year, he was still kind of young for that league. So it seems like he's been a prospect for roughly forever, but he still has some growing pains. He's got tools, none of them like are 80 grade tools or anything like that, but he's just a well-rounded player who really needs polishing. And if he gets his plate discipline, his strike zone awareness, his swing decisions down pat, you'll see him get significant playing time. But I think that transition is going to happen in triple A this year. You know, it used to be with the Giants, like, being that they had, had such staples at the manager position, right? And, and the game has changed so much with Bruce Bochy, and you had Dusty Baker, and Roger Craig, obviously, and Felipe Alou. You kind of knew when you went to the ballpark what the, the general lineup was going to be. And you mentioned, you know, not messing with service time with Elliot Ramos. One of the things that the Players Association was offering to the owners or discussing with the owners was limiting the number of options you could make per a certain player each year. I think the Giants had a couple of guys who were optioned like six or seven times last year. What what are your thoughts on limiting the number of options you can use on a player in a given season and and how drastic would that affect or how drastically would that affect teams like the Giants and the Dodgers? You know, it would affect them. It would I first off I like the idea. I just uh, the So I, do I. Yeah, yeah. It, it just seems player friendly and you know, I am kind of a uh, on uh, more of a player friendly sort of fella. And so I think, you know, these guys are human beings. Just the constant yo-yo up down up down up down sometimes for a day, sometimes for, you know, just 2 days or something like that as someone goes on the COVID IL or someone has paternity leave or, or something like that. And then you're up for a day, you don't get in a bet, you're back down. That's hard on a player. Like I get they get a little bit extra money. And so maybe they, they like it. But I do think it will affect the Giants because you had guys like Jason Fossler, you had Tyro Estrada, who were optioned more than five times last year. Estrada doesn't have options, but Vossler does. And they will find a guy who becomes the Tyro Estrada of this year. They'll just find a guy who fits, but isn't quite good enough to stick or, you know, just it's a roster crunch. And so he's not going to be on there full time. Steven Duggar might be that guy. When I look for who's got options, who doesn't, it says that Steven Duggar's out of options. But uh, Andrew Bagley says, no, he's got a weird fourth year option. Sometimes that happens. And so I think Duggar, without an options minimum, would be up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. With that maximum, I think, you know, they're going to play far fewer games with him. And, you know, because they want to keep him around for the full season. He's the best defensive center fielder they have. 
Leave it to Andy Baggerly to be like the one guy who knows that. He's got some, right. some weird fourth year. Like <laughs> Farhan's checking in with, with Bags to see who he can send down, uh, who's got options left for their fourth year. It's, just, it's absurd. I'm like, where did Baggerly find that? He's like, no, no, no. You guys know what you're talking about. There's an extra one. You said, like, it's so funny. I never thought I would, when they acquired him, I never thought we'd be asking, who's going to be this year's Tyro Estrada? I guess my question is, who's going to be this year's Donnie Barrels? I mean, this guy won a silver slugger. He's been fantastic. Uh, at one point, had COVID, came back, hit a big home run, really helped the Giants out. And it's obviously not a plus defender. They've added a guy on a minor league contract, Alex Blandino, kid out of St. Francis High School, uh, who's a, a Cincinnati Red for a number of years. Maybe Tyro Estrada is the new Donnie Barrels. What's your thought on who fills in that role? I think it is Estrada. I think, you know, I watch, uh, you're going to find this hard to believe, watch a lot of baseball. And so sometimes these players, when they get called up, they they blend in and like, you know, it's they're, they're kind of interchangeable. When I watched Estrada, there was just like that je ne sais quoi about him where it's like, this guy's like a player. You know, he seems like he does everything right, whether it's, you know, he doesn't have bad at bats, he's solid in the field, he he runs a little bit. I get why he was, you know, a, a prospect at one point, not a great prospect, but, you know, he had a little bit of a prospect pedigree. And then, you know, it's not like he didn't make it to the majors because he couldn't lay off the curveball. He had troubles sticking because he got shot. Like he got like literally shot and like had problems coming back from, you know, the injury, the bullet, I think it was his hip, you know, it was just like these lingering problems. So it's not as if like, it's unheard of for a guy to miss some time because of an injury and then just, you know, be good in his 25, 26, 27 year old season. I'm like super high on him. I just, for whatever reason, just watching him play and it was only 100 at bats, 130 at bats, something like that. But I just loved watching him play. And I really think He's going to be that guy. Mauricio Dubon could be that guy, but he's out of options. So is Estrada. So it's kind of like a, a cage match between those two. And I think that Dubon is, is going to be traded would be my guess. I'm waiting for that analytic to be a thing where it's like uh, the cage match where the analytics guys are like, this is how we figure out final spot on the roster, put him in a cage. No, a uh, hell in a cell match or something like that. But, uh, the, the other thing that cracked me, not cracks me up. I mean, obviously the Tyro Estrada gunshot thing was, was really scary. And then he's, he's acquired by the Yankees and he showed up to camp. I remember the stories. Aaron Boone was like, we did not think this guy was showing up. He came to camp like in a leg cast. And I think it's now been removed, whatever the, the bullet debris was that was in his hip or his leg. I was thinking, boy, if I'm like analytics be damned if I see a guy who got shot in the leg and is like showing up for reps I that put that guy on my roster I want him on my team yeah no exactly it's just there's something about him and like it you know you have every year if you do like the sporkle quiz for the 2018 Giants you're gonna fail <laughs> there are guys on there like I'm gonna put in right now as we are talking I'm gonna put in the 2018 Giants I'm just gonna say a name and ask you if you have any memory of Abiatal Avellino Avi Avellino was he? A, he was a second baseman acquired. Front was he a was he a, a Yankee acquisition? Did they get him from there? I think he might have Abiatal. Uh, Abiatal Avellino. And I did know how to pronounce it at one point. All right, how about Miguel Gomez? Oh, dude, who's that? You know, what I mean, is that a pitcher or a middle infielder? It's a middle <laughs> infielder. And at one point, he was kind of like he had like Pablo stats and lo- and yeah. uh, San Jose or something like that. But yeah, like <laughs> like guys like that, they'll show up and you'll get a look and you go, okay, that is a guy. But when Estrada came up, or Estrada came up, it was like, okay, yeah, like I am seeing something here. So yeah, I'm very high on Tyro. I was hoping you were going to throw me like a DJ Snelton or something, but I think that was probably back in like two. That might have been 2017. I can't remember some left-hander that was here for three days. Those are those are why we used to read you on McCuffey Chronicles and why we have these conversations now. Grant, it's fun, man. So, and I really do appreciate the time, dude. It's always fun catching up, and uh, maybe around opening day in July, we'll uh, we'll catch up again, dude. I'll talk to you down the road.
Absolutely. We will talk. Uh, and yeah, I'll, I'll drop a, a Jose Valdez. He got uh, five <laughs> innings for the 2018 Giants. I do not have memory of that. I got nothing for you on Jose nothing. Valdez. We'll catch you later, Grant. All right. Thanks. Oh, man. Great stuff from Grant Brisby. Always fun running down memory lane of just random Giants and Giants prospects with him. I did a little quick research here. Abby Avellino was a prospect acquired. He was a double-A prospect when the Giants got him in a trade for Andrew McCutcheon. He was the guy they sent out that way. So uh, he was acquired, and, and now he's like in the Cubs system. Now he's gone. He's no longer a Giant, and that's the, the Farhan era in San Francisco. Thanks to Grant Brisby. Thank you to Brian, my producer, and thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. Later this week, we can get back into the NBA. The Warriors are back in action against Portland this week. We'll also closely be following the Major League Baseball and Players Association discussions that are supposed to be going on every day this week. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Wednesday. 